Amen. The enemies took every shot he could take at us. We're not supposed to be here today if he'd have had his way. But here we are in the house of the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? If you are, give the Lord a good praise. Amen. He's so good. Isaiah 33, verse 20. Give honor. Amen. Today, love pastor, his family, and uh, we are so thankful to be a part of this church. God has just been so good. It's been such a blessing, such a refreshing uh, for our family. Appreciate you being so kind to us and just welcoming us in and accepting us. Amen. God is good, isn't he? He is so very good. I, I feel good. I've, I've been in jail for the past 10 days. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to stay home when you're not sick. But they tell you don't go out. So we, we obeyed the rules. We stayed in jail. Uh, the jailkeeper wasn't too hard on us. Uh, we couldn't taste or smell anything. Well, I could, but the uh, person I was trying to take care of, so we just fed bread and water. And, uh, you know, maybe next week we'll eat good. But uh, the Lord's been good. Amen. Now, I did tell Pastor that uh, I, I, I did preach the last service. If my recollection is right, I preached the last service of 19, how to go out so that we can come in. And uh, if, if you can do something different than what happened, here's your chance. Amen. I gladly lay it down today. But, uh, you know, the enemy, he, he hates us. I, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But he hates us. But God loves us. God loves us. And here we sit today, and uh, we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments today who God fights for. Because I believe today that if we're going to make it, we got to get God in our fight. So let's read a little bit, and I'll let you sit down, deliver to you what the Lord laid upon my spirit. Woke up about 2 o'clock this morning, the Lord dealing with my heart and what to say today. So I pray it'll bless you. Verse 20, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. And he will save us aren't you thankful for that today no matter what they're trying to do in the world who they're trying to figure out is going to lead us for the next four years the Lord is our judge the Lord is our lawgiver the Lord is our king and he will save us amen let's thank him for his word father we love you today thank you for everyone that's here in this house today I pray you'd anoint the lips of clay, God. Direct us, lead us, guide us in this place. Say what you would have said in this house, God. Touch, heal, deliver. Do the work that only you can do 
We'll be careful to give you all the praise. We ask it today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I need to begin my message today by reminding you that God is in control. I'm going to say that again. God is in control. Would you just look over at somebody and let that leave your mouth today? God is in control. See, I got this little computer going on in my brain. It's preaching 101. It says, say it until the audience gets it. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. Amen. Not only is, has, is he in control, but he has been in control, and he will always be in control. And though it may seem discouraging today, and though we may be seeing things in our world that we don't understand, I've come to remind your faith today, you cannot be fooled by what you see because things are not always as they appear. That's why we've been admonished by the Scripture that we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Today is not the time to give up and to uh, get weary and well-doing, but today is the time that we need to put our eyes of faith back on our God and know that this moment is not more than He can handle. And this season has not caught Him unaware. And He knows His people today and He knows His church. Now, I know this morning that we are living in an hour where opposition to truth and to God is stronger than it has ever been. And it doesn't take much discernment today to know that this whole world is in a dark and a dreadful condition and men seem to be getting more vile and more evil and more emboldened in their sin. But I've come to tell this church and remind you this morning, we are the people, as they sang, of better things. We are the people of greater things. We are today God's children, heirs to His vast fortune. Come on, somebody. We are not like the world today. We have hope today. We're anchored with hope in this house today because our hope rests in the one true living God. You need to be careful that you never get to the place that you think hope is lost. You can't buy the lie of the enemy and give up, but you've got to keep on trusting God. You've got to keep your hand in God's hand because I'm telling you today, I believe it with all of my heart. God is about to break through the darkness that's in our world today. He's about to shine a light down in our world today that's going to expose the adversary and all of his deeds. God is getting ready to reveal himself. Prove himself mighty and strong and just how great that he truly, truly is. Do you believe that today? We've let the enemy push us around and we've listened to his lies and we've taken his garbage and allowed it to dictate our every move, but... I'm telling you this morning, God wants to get in your fight today. God wants to renew some faith. And God wants to renew some strength. And God wants to renew some hope in this house. Listen to the words of our text today. Unmovable stakes. Unbreakable cords. 
A tabernacle that will never be taken down. A place well defensed with broad rivers and streams. A place where the enemy can invade or destroy. A place where God is the judge, the lawgiver, the king, and ultimately the Savior. In case you don't recognize that yet, let me make it clear this morning. He's talking about the church. When God gave this inspiration to Isaiah to describe his church, he made sure that the prophet wrote it in a way that everyone would know that this is a strong house with a sure foundation. I don't know about you today, but when I think of the church... I don't think of some weak, barely surviving, struggling to make it entity, but I think of a fortress today. I think of a place of strength. I think of a place of stability. I think of a strong tower who the righteous call upon and run into. It's His name today. Come on, somebody. The church of the living God this morning, it's more than buildings. It's more than organizations and fellowships. It's more than a religious institution that we attend, hopefully, on Wednesdays and Sundays. But this is the house of the living God where the presence of the living God shows up for us. Church is the body that possesses the power that will ultimately destroy every devil and every foe and every enemy that would stand in her path. Got good news for you today. We're not a part of some civic club. Thank you, Pastor. We're not a part of something that comes in for good singing and entertainment. We're not a part of a community support group today. We're not a part of something that has no eternal value today. But we are a part of the church. The glorious, triumphant church. The never-failing, never-ending, eternal church. I don't know about you, but I thank God today for the church. When I was in my darkest hour, I could turn to the church when I was in my lowest point. I could find safety and refuge in the church. Come on, somebody. So I say it again today. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the church. And you should, and should you ever worry about the church, let me lay your fears to rest today. God loves this church. He has given His all for His church. The church has been purchased by His blood. It was a great price, but He paid it anyway. Why would He spend so much? Because He loves His church. Acts 20, 28, He reminded the ministry, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He had purchased with His own blood. He was saying, preachers, leaders, overseers, don't ever forget what I paid for the church. Be careful that you never let the value of the church get lost as you lead my people. And to help you, let me tell you what the church should look like. 1 Peter 2, 5-10 gives us a description of the church. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones 
stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I could preach all morning from just that scripture, but I want to tell you today, this is how you recognize the church. First, it's going to be alive. Something ought to be burning inside of us. There ought to be some life inside the people filled with the Spirit today. Come on, I get nervous when I come in and I feel deadness and I don't see anybody thankful and I don't see anybody rejoicing. I get nervous because that's not the church that the Lord described. Second thing he said, uh, we're going to be a spiritual house. Uh, there ought to be some things in here uh, that happen that make us uncomfortable every once in a while. Uh, there ought to be somebody that loses their dignity every once in a while uh, when they start thinking of how good uh, he's been to me uh, and how he's never failed me and he's never let me down. Uh, it ought to put some running in your feet. Uh, it ought to put some shouting in your voice. Uh, there ought to be some praise because this is a spiritual house. He said it'd be holy. We got to come out from the world. We got to be different from them. We got to let that gravitational pull, that worldly pull, loosen us sometimes that we can be like him. He said it would give to offer up spiritual sacrifices. The church is a giver. The church is a sacrificer. And it will be covered in the name of Jesus. That's what he meant when he said acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, our great mediator, that one that we can enter into his presence by, by that sacrifice that he paid. The church is going to be covered in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful today that this is a lively place. I'm thankful today that this is a spiritual house. I'm thankful today that this is holy ground. I'm thankful today for your giving and I'm thankful today that Jesus' name is all over this place today. He went on, he said, wherefore it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. I'm not confused today. I'm not upset today. I'm not, I'm not misaligned today. But unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Do you still believe he's precious today? Unto them which, dis, which, which be disobedient Obedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. That's the people who don't know him, but to us, but ye, verse 9, are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, we don't sit in darkness today. We are a people of the light. 
Come on, there ought to be something that gets a hold of your spirit that says, God, I know who you are today. Come on, he identified us. He said in times past, we were not a people, but now we are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy. We didn't have hope, but now we have obtained mercy. He said, you're a spiritual house, and the foundation upon which you are built is the Lord Jesus himself. And because of your belief in him, you're not just some ordinary group today, but you are chosen and you are royal and you are holy and you are peculiar what he was really saying is whatever you were in the past it's dead now whoever you were in the past it's dead now there's a new identity on you there's a new spirit on you there's a new walk on you oh somebody ought to give him praise Come on, I'm just giving him praise today for who he said I am. Oh, please don't think us arrogant today. Please don't think we're boasting of ourselves today. Please don't think that we think more highly of ourselves than we should. We just know there was a time when we were a nobody. We remember a time when we were outside of mercy. But today, through his word, we have an identity and we have purpose and we have destiny on us this morning. And if we could ever get you to understand just who you are in Christ Jesus. Come on, we wouldn't have to beg you to worship. We wouldn't have to beg you to give praise. We wouldn't have to crank up the music just right. We wouldn't have to find the beat and turn on the lights. But we could just come together and say, do you remember what he's done for you? Do you remember where he brought you from? Do you remember the pit that he dug you out of? Come on, if we get thankful again, we'd explode through the doors every time we come together with our hands lifted and our praise flowing. Lord, you're worthy of it today. Hear me this morning. I'm not here because I'm a lifetime member of the Pentecostal church. I thank God for a good mama and I thank God for a good daddy that raised me in the truth. But I'm not here today because of that. I'm here today because of who Jesus said I am. And I don't want to be one thing less than what he said I could be. So I clap my hands and I run the aisles and I leap for joy and I shout a little undignified every once in a while because I can't help but show forth the praises of he that's brought me out. Come on, would you bless him today? You know what I'm really trying to say? I'm trying to tell you, you are chosen today. CLC, you are chosen today. And you ought to act like it this morning. Let me tell you this morning, as much as God loves His church, the devil hates this church. 
You know why it's hard to praise? You know why it's hard sometimes to step out of our flesh? Because the devil hates our praise. And he hates our worship. He hates our commitment. He hates that we have a future. He hates that we've been filled with power that he can only dream about. He hates your promises. He hates that you're redeemable today and that he is eternally cursed. Satan hates the church. He wants to destroy her very existence. He hates the message of hope. He hates the message of the cross. He hates the blood and its redeeming power because he knows that redemption for him is not available. So he's focused all of his wrath and all of his anger on destroying anyone he can get his tricks to work against. That's why it's so important to know how to get God in your fight. See, we do face a worthy adversary. And I don't like to give him much credit, but he is a worthy opponent for us. And you're not going to do very well if you try to fight the enemy on your own. You're not going to do very well if you try to stand toe-to-toe with him and exchange blows. You're probably not going to win that fight. But if you could ever get God to fight for you, I promise you there is no devil that could ever defeat you. And I chose this passage of Scripture today to read to you because of what it said first about the security of the church, its content. But I also chose it because of its context. And in the setting of the text I've read to you today, God is uh, reaffirming to His people that He is in control. Yes, there are enemies, but He is in control. And much like we need Him today, His people needed Him in this passage of Scripture. In fact, if you go back and you research it and you look at it, we are looking into one of the most vicious periods in the history of the children of Israel. In context this morning, God is giving His people assurance in a very volatile time. Aren't you thankful our God would do that? In a very volatile season, in a very uncertain season, God would send a word of hope. And He is giving them insight into just how bad it was going. It was a few chapters ahead. Let me set the stage. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and his remorseless and evil general Rabshakeh have set a siege around the city. And they had been there for some time. Hezekiah, the king of God's people, had tried to do things his way. First they came, he tried to barter his way out. He tried to buy his way out of the trouble that these men brought. He thought that he could reason with them. Let me tell you today, you can't reason with the enemy. You can't reason with the enemy. You may work out a deal that will bring some temporary relief, but he won't be satisfied until he destroys you. Even here in our text, Hezekiah's efforts, they worked for a little while, but it was only temporary because these evil men wanted total destruction of the city. May I remind you this morning the M.O. of the devil today. I I, I got it from a pretty good source, I think. The pattern of the devil, his M.O., his method of operation, his modus operandi, if you will, was plainly identified in red letters. Jesus being the giver of those letters in John 10.10. And he said this, The thief only comes to steal, 
kill and destroy. See, some of you, some of you thought it was just about them stealing church services from us. But if they get away with stealing, the next thing you know, we look around and the lighter we are and we start counting casualties and the more we lose, the weaker we become. Until one day there's simply nothing left. Oh goodness, can we wake up today, Lord? And it started with an enemy that hates us. And, we don't, and if we don't figure this thing out and get God in our fight, our churches are going to be museums of the enemy's triumphs. Lord, help us today. So Rebshekah takes it upon himself to write a letter to Hezekiah that decried Israel's ability to defend herself. It was a letter of mockery and ridicule and cynicism. He was taunting the people of God. Anybody feel like the enemy's just been taunting us this year? It's been sticking it in our face this year. Everywhere you turn, it's bad news here, and it's bad news there, and it's this and it's that. And he was taunting the people of God. And he wrote in that letter, he told Hezekiah, he said, if I even gave you 2,000 horses, you couldn't even find the men to put on them. He proclaimed that they were a totally defenseless city and there was nothing that they could do to stop the crushing army and the attack that he would bring against them. And it struck fear in the heart of Hezekiah. Anybody be honest today and say some of this has brought some fear? Some of these things that the enemy has been saying and the things that we're seeing has brought a little bit of fear. Hezekiah wasn't above it. Hezekiah, God's man, had a little fear in his heart. See, because there was some military triumphs that Assyria could hang their hat on. They were a proven adversary. No nation at the time equaled Assyria in their cruelty and their outright violence. They were the most cruel and violent of all the land, the Assyrians. Their armies were powerful and their weapons were as many as they were mighty. They were a technologically advanced military. They were superior in every way from a military standpoint. Absolutely fascinating what they could do if you go back and study that nation. They had perfected the art of warfare because they had no respect for any enemy. They did not fight fair. They did not deploy the usual customs of diplomacy. They simply set their sights on what they wanted. And they attacked with all of their might. And they garnered such a reputation and established themselves so greatly that they had reached a place where they rarely even had to fight anymore. They just simply told their enemy what they were coming to do. And their targets just laid down in defeat. Or ran off in fear. How many have we seen do that this year? When the enemy has sent his intent and he's let it be known what he intends to do. How many have just laid down in defeat and run away in fear this year? 
But today's target wasn't some ordinary little podunk nation. Today's target wasn't just some ragtag band. Today's target was the apple of God's eye. Today they had their sights locked on a people whose military might doesn't register on paper. Their, their abilities aren't limited by conventional measurements. Their strength is not in the size of the muscles on their men or the weapons in their arms. Come on, somebody. And what Rabshakeh didn't expect was Hezekiah's response. Some of you could kill the devil with a heart attack today. You've become so predictable to him. You've, you, you fold so easily that he would drop dead from shock if you just stand up today. You see, today I believe God saw the author when he wrote the letter. I believe he knew everything that was written. He heard the insults. He heard the taunting. He heard the defiance. Yet God sat and did nothing about it. He let the enemy write it. He let the enemy deliver it. And he even allowed the possibility for it to succeed. Come on, somebody. But when Hezekiah got the letter and what he did with it reads today as a formula for warfare against any evil report that the enemy could ever send your way. Because instead of falling to fear and instead of measuring himself against the enemy, he gathered up the letter and he simply took it to the altar of the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. And when he took it to the altar, he laid it out. And he put it there and he began to tell God, I want you to read what your enemy is saying about your people. I just want you to read what your enemy says he's going to do to God's people. I believe God knew it all alone. But when that man had enough faith to say, God, I can't win this fight by myself. And he laid it at the altar and he started telling God what the enemy was saying God got up and God began to go to work and the Lord said I'll put a hook in his jaw I'll drag him all the way back to where he come from and I'll whip him in front of his people his very own people are going to see his destruction and I've come to tell somebody simply this today it's time to quit reading the letter. It's time to quit worrying about what's been written and simply lay it at the feet of the Lord. It's time to give it to Jesus today. It's time to lay the mail in the charge of the one who can do something about it this morning. Come on, somebody help me praise him today. Come on, you got to learn. This battle is not yours, but it belongs to the Lord. I wish we'd go out of 2020 with a little bit of rejoicing that the enemy's tried to kill us. He's tried to destroy us. He's taken his best shot, but we're laying it at the altar today. We're giving it to the one today, and we're going to march out of this year and into next year 
year knowing that we are more than conquerors today through Christ Jesus. Won't you stand this morning and give God praise? Won't you stand today and begin to thank Him that you don't have to fight it by yourself. You don't have to war by yourself today, but you got to turn it over to the one who can. Come on, somebody. Aren't you tired of the struggle? Aren't you tired of the fight? Aren't you tired of the sleepless nights and the worry and the anxiety that's got a hold of you? Aren't you tired of it today? Aren't you tired of it today? Getting the time just to say, Lord, I can't handle it. God, I can't do it. But today, I'm just going to bring what the enemy said. Come on, social unrest. Unrest in in, in government. Come on, chaos all across our country. I don't know the answer. I don't know what we'll do. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know where I'm going to be next Sunday. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm going to be giving praise to the King of Kings. And I'm going to lift up his name. And I'm going to magnify him. Because I know if I lay it at his altar, he's going to come to my rescue. And he's going to come. Make it all right. Just give God praise for that in this house. Come on, if you believe that with me, would you just give God praise? Come on. Some of you need to turn loose of your mail. Some of you need to let go of something. You probably brought it with you today. You probably brought it all bundled up. That thing's been bothering you so bad. You ain't let it out of your hand since you heard what the enemy said. You ought to lay it down today and say, God, I can't do nothing with that. I can't do anything about that. But I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to walk away and rejoice. Hezekiah and his army didn't have to fight one fight I have to lift one thing the spirit of the Lord when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him I'm saying this and I'm out of here this morning I'm giving it to you to do with what you want I'm a studier of numbers. Last year I told you that 2020 was going to be a year of God's open hand. And I told you last year that it was God's hand looking like this to provide. But it was also God's hand like this to protect. Thank you. Thank you. We've only lost one. That's one too many, I know. But thank you, God, that while you were giving, you were also protecting. Thank you, God, that we've stood under your hand. Thank you, God, that you've proven that you're with us. Thank you, God, that you've proven you're not going to leave us and you're not going to forsake us, but you've got us covered in your hand. So this morning, I went back and I began to study. And I tried to find out what 21 meant. Like, Lord, let's, let's, let's hope this thing's going to be better than last year. Than this, whatever this thing is we're in right now. Let's find something better. And I found that the number 21 is signified in the Hebrew language to mean the end of the distress. 
don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I just believe that we're entering into a year. God's going to wipe the stress out. God's going to wipe the trouble out. He's going to keep us under his hand. He's going to keep providing. He's going to keep giving as long as we stay faithful and committed to him. Come on, you're attached to the greatest force you could ever be attached to. You're attached to the greatest thing this world has ever known or seen. Don't let trouble steal it from you. Don't let trouble separate you from the house of God. But bear in, get a new grip, get a new hold, strengthen the weak and knees, and let God get in your fight. Give Him praise.